Hello and welcome to Show and Tell, the podcast series from the RPG Academy where we bring on a guest and we talk about something cool that they want to show and tell us about. Now, if you've been with us for a while, we probably have just confused you because up until well, today, Show and Tell had been the name of our movie review podcast. And while we are still going to do those podcasts, they are now going to be called Movie Day. So all the episodes that are currently listed as Show and Tell will be moved over to a new page on the web website called Movie Day, but we're not going to go backwards and re-record intros. Uh, so going forward, a lot of the episodes that used to be table topics, but were ones where we had guests on to talk about new products like Kickstarter, mapping program, Roll20, those sorts of things. Going forward, those will now be called show and tell episodes. And we're going to try to keep our table topic episodes reserved specifically for talking about role playing, uh, gaming rules, advice, considerations, things that came up at our table, so on and so forth. So I know that here recently we've been putting out a ton of content. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed that, but it's not going to continue at that level forever. To be honest, I just can't, can, I can't keep up with that. Uh, even if this was my full-time job, I don't know if I could keep up with the level that we've been doing here recently. So it's going to slow down, but to better make it able for you, our loyal listener, to kind of plan out your listening based off of your commute or the things that you are most interested in, we are now going to have four separate types of episodes. We are going to have our table topics, as I said before, which will be our general advice discussion podcast, specifically around D&D, but not always. We are going to have our The Trials, which is where we continue to try out new gaming systems, either new to us or maybe things that are still in development or associated with the Kickstarter. We are going to have our show and tell, like this, this episode will be, where we're going to talk about something new and cool and tell you all about it. And then we are going to have movie day, which is where we will watch a movie uh, with our patrons if possible, and then kind of review it and talk about it for those episodes as well. So I appreciate everyone's patience and understanding as we make this transition. And having said that, most of the episode you're about to listen to was recorded before we made that change. So I reference table topics inside of the episode, even though it's going to be called show and tell. But before we get onto the show, this episode is about local conventions. Uh, originally, we had our first guest, Jim Fox, on to talk about CincyCon.org. And then it wasn't until later that we learned of a new convention. This is only its second year in Lexington, Kentucky, which is also very close to us. We were able to arrange an interview with Greg Franzeth about that uh, convention. It is really close. I think April 17th is what we talked about. Uh, so it's not very far away at all. I am definitely going to CincyCon. I'm going to try my best to go to Lexicon, at least for one day, and hang out. So if you're going to go to either of those two, uh, please let me know on Twitter. Let me know if you're there, and we'll see if we can get together and play some games. And then lastly, I do want to take this opportunity to plug quickly a Catacon. Again, for those of you who have been around for a while, you know that a Catacon is the convention that Caleb and I are trying to organize. We've done it twice now already, but that has been very, very small scale in my basement. Uh, this year, a Catacon 2015 Into the Wilds. We are doing everything in our power to take a Catacon out of my basement and like a first level adventurer out into the wilderness. Uh, we have scouted out multiple locations and we pretty much narrowed it down to two. We are still getting pricing information uh, on decide on which one we're going to go with, but I kind of already know at least i'm pretty sure anyways but the biggest thing that we need is right now we don't know who all's coming or who all would be willing to come or able to come 
And we don't want to lock ourselves into a place that's too small that we can't take everyone that wants to come, but we also can't afford to get a really big place if then no one shows up. Our intention is to not make any money off of this, this uh, convention, at least not this year. Long-term, I would like to see this as being something that's profitable. And hell, I'd like to make this my job. That's all I have to do. And I can quit my real job and podcast and do conventions all the time. I mean, if you're going to dream, right? But for this first year, all we're trying to do is not lose any money. So there will be a fee. Right now, our guess is it's going to be $25 per person. That will include a badge for all three days of the convention. And there will be no additional charges for anything inside the convention unless someone were to volunteer to run like a tournament that sort of requires a fee. But if you want to play Numenera or D&D or Cards Against Humanity or some kind of board game, card game, whatever, all of that will be free. Once you have the badge you're in, everything else is just kind of picking up and going. We are going to try to schedule events. But again, that's really going to be determined on how many people we have and if that's even necessary. Um, so one of the things that you can do to help us out is go over to our Facebook page, which is the RPG Academy. And I have set up an event that you can basically say yes, no, and maybe that you're coming. And you're not committing. We're not asking for any money right now. But just letting us know that you might show up will give us a good indication of you know which venue that we should probably go with. And then we're at this point, we're pretty much assuming that we are going to do a Kickstarter. That way we can use it as pre-registration. That will also give us the ability to get the money ahead of time to go ahead and secure the venue, put the deposit or just pay it off, that kind of thing. Uh, if we did the Kickstarter, it will also allow people that maybe can't show up but would like to support us maybe a, as a way to give some donations. And then we would set our goal as the absolute minimum that we would need to secure the venue that we decide to go with. So enough of my rambling about a catacon, though I am super excited about it. Uh, on to this week's show. Again, this is Show and Tell episode number five, SensiCon and Lexicon. In this episode, Caleb and I are going to sit across the virtual table with Jim from CincyCon.org. It's a local convention here to Cincinnati, and we're going to get some Q&A with him about the upcoming event, uh, and hopefully you guys will be will, being able to check it out. But before we get too far into that, we want to take a moment and introduce my co-host, as I always do. Caleb, how are you doing tonight, sir? Oh, I'm doing quite well, Michael. Glad to be here as always. How are you this evening? I'm doing very well. I've uh, I've been teasing on Twitter uh, a little bit about a phone call that I have been waiting for uh, that I finally got. And I am very excited to announce that I did get the phone call, that it was better than expected. And um, I'm going to be changing jobs very soon. And uh, I will be moving to a, a position that gives me a lot more time to spend with the family, which of course means more time for the podcast because, you know, who cares about my family, right? As long as your wife does not listen to this part of the audio, then I agree. But if she does listen, then I disagree. <laughs> Good call on your part. No, no, she does not listen to this. She does listen to my movie podcast. She finds that one a little bit more interesting, but she doesn't care much for this Good. one. Good. Uh, but anyway, uh, so you guys have heard it here first because this won't come out, hopefully, I think I got my timing right, until after I put my two weeks in at my other job because they don't know yet. Oh, boy. Yeah, but I know this one air. Alleged. For, uh, for, this allegedly. Is all allegedly. Alleged. 
All right. And uh, don't forget to stick around to the end of the show when Caleb will not awkwardly read some reviews. So with these table topic episodes, we try to share some of the experience that Caleb and I have gleaned from our many years of playing tabletop RPGs. But we know that the advice that we give and the opinions that we share may not be relevant to every table, every topic, every time. But there is one piece of advice that we do feel is pretty universal. And Caleb, what is that one piece of advice? If you're having fun, you're doing it right. That is correct, sir. So no matter what game you're playing or what system or edition or what rules you use, don't use, or misuse, if you're having fun, then you're playing the game correctly. Now moving on, we're going to talk about our gamer's lexicon. And that is where we talk about a, an idea, a phrase, a term, or a topic that is uh, applicable to role-playing games, tabletop games. And we try to define it maybe for somebody who's new to the hobby and doesn't quite know all the um, verbiage or lexicon that we have. Uh, Caleb, what is tonight's lexicon? The word of the day is gaming convention. <laughs> there you go. Gaming convention. Now, that could have a couple different meanings. Uh, we're going to talk about it as far as a gathering. A group of people getting together to play role-playing games or, or uh, miniature games or Magic the Gathering or other collectible games. We've talked many times about Gen Con, how I have absolutely fell in love with Gen Con and to the point that I want to start my own gaming convention, a Catacon, which we've done a couple times and we're hoping to grow. Beyond that, what would you think uh, a good definition of gaming convention would be, Caleb? Uh, well, a gaming convention is a large group of gamers coming together uh, in a central location, usually a conference center or a convention hall. Uh, the convention is sponsored and hosted by various gaming companies, uh, the big printers and distributors of uh, tabletop books, card games, board games. Uh, there's usually vendor halls for uh, people uh, to purchase games, supplements, dice, toys, uh, garb, <laughs> anything and everything related to the hobby, even those uh, fringe-related uh, things like uh, clothing and lamps and crazy doodads. There's usually sponsored events. So, for example, Wizards of the Coast might sponsor a playtest of a new Dungeons & Dragons module or uh, some other gaming company, like, say, WizKids, might be there talking about and promoting a new game or a new version of a game or a new addition to a game. Basically, it's it's a huge giant gathering of a bunch of gamers. It's sponsored by a bunch of shops. You can buy a bunch of stuff. You can play a bunch of stuff and just generally hang out with people that are in the hobby. It's the Disney World for tabletop. If there it's was, the greatest place on Earth. If there was a roller coaster at a con, I would be a lot happier. I... I love roller coasters, but I don't need them at, at my conventions because I, I don't have time because that's that's time away from my gaming. But not every convention can be Gen Con. You know, Gen Con is, at least in my mind, the ones I've been to, which aren't many, it is the mecca. It is a gold standard of what gaming conventions um, can be. But most of your conventions are going to be much smaller than that. They're going to be more regional or more local cons. And what we hope to do eventually with the Catacon would be in that vein of like a local convention. And speaking of that, we actually have a guest on tonight to talk about a local convention here in Cincinnati called CincyCon, that's C-I-N-C-Y-C-O-N, dot org. Uh, welcome to the show, Jim Fox. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> That'll work. 
Um, so, uh, Jim, you are one of the organizers, I guess, founders of CincyCon, which is a local gaming convention here in the Cincinnati, Ohio area. Uh, before we get too far into that, tell us a little bit about your, your gaming credentials, your bona fides. How long have you been in the hobby? What kind of games do you play? That kind of thing, sir. Well, um, I will be 50 years old in May, and I was introduced to gaming when I was in the 7th or 8th grade. Uh, at Madeira High School, there was somebody that was drawing a dungeon, and I, he was on graph paper, and I was like, what are you doing? I've never seen anything like it. And he started to explain it to me. He was a, a new student that had just moved in, and I think I spent that whole summer playing the original Dungeons & Dragons. And so uh, from there, I started collecting miniatures. And that's really the biggest thing that I do is I'm a huge miniature collector. And, of course, that goes directly with gaming. So from there which has been over 35 years now. I've been collecting miniatures and going to gaming conventions, looking for more miniatures, and then I started being a vendor at gaming conventions. So that's kind of my connection to gaming. Okay, so are you currently in Do you still have home games that you run? Uh, yeah, except when you're a vendor at the shows, it really gobbles up a lot of time. So... Um, Currently, the only games that I actually run are space. Um, I have a line of spaceships that I rep for that are based on the Battlestar Galactica series, the old series and the new series. So I still do some tabletop games to help promote the sales of those. Games. And then I rep also for Battletech. I don't play it, but I rep for it. So like at Gen Con, I have the Iron Wind booth. Iron Wind Metals booth with all the Battletech stuff and the big banners and stuff. Oh, okay. Very cool. Yeah. yeah I'm a huge Gen Con fan. Uh, I've only been a couple times, but it's something I don't plan on missing again, which is kind of what actually how this conversation came about in, in a long sort of way, which Caleb knows I like to talk, so he, he's already put his head, his head down, is I started going to Gen Con a couple of years ago. It was literally a life-changing moment for me. I'd never gone before, even though I live in Cincinnati. I'm not that far from Indy. And I finally, because of the podcast, I went to it and I had such a great time that I'm like, I got to do this more. So I just started looking around and I didn't even know that there was a local convention. It wasn't because I was just trying to fill in more Gen Con. I was like, holy crap, there's a local Gen, you know, a local Cincinnati con. Looked into that. I, that's how I ended up meeting you. And uh, Caleb and I, we've talked about trying to do something similar and starting our own sort of podcast-affiliated uh, convention. So that's one of the reasons I want to talk to you anyways, was to get some more insight into how you got started. So would you mind starting with that a little bit? Like, you know, why did you decide to do your own con? And like, you know, I know it's grown a little bit. You guys are moving locations this year. So if you just want to share some of the background of that, and then we'll get into some specifics about what the event is. I think what really got it started was uh, I was attending seven or eight conventions as a vendor. And they, of course, Gen Con and Origins were the closest two, but I was also attending uh, conventions that were eight or nine hours away. And I was like, you know, why don't we do something like this here? Um, and I was kind of involved. There's a group called uh, Historical Miniature Gaming Society, which ran two little cons here in town. They would get between 50 and 100 people a year. So it was really little. Uh, it's a it's a good organization, and I kind of had some affiliations with them, so I went to them first and said, look, you know, I want to do an all-inclusive and bring you guys in. I don't want to compete against you guys and stuff. And so we kind of uh, got some support from them, 
And that's why I think you see at our convention a fair amount of tabletop miniature gaming and some historical games and stuff. But So that kind of got us off and rolling. And so we started it as a one-day convention on a Saturday. And I ran it through my business, insured it through my business, ran all the expenses through my business just to see if it would fly. And so we had 170 attendees. It did really well for itself considering we didn't really know what we were doing. We, we'd been to conventions, and we knew what we liked and didn't like, so I thought we were well-organized, but we really didn't know how to promote it. We approached all the local stores. They didn't really know what to think about us. It was just kind of a – it's still an ongoing process, but uh, I think we got off on the right foot, and then what I decided was as we grew, like two years into it, it's a ton of work, and I uh, decided to tell everybody that I didn't want to continue to keep it under my business because – Everybody was working so hard that we should all benefit from it. So from there, we decided to become a nonprofit, elect board members, and then have a purpose to our show and continue to grow. And so our growth rate's been really good and um, kind of where we are in a nutshell right now. So what year is this for the convention? This will be year six. Okay. So it's still fairly new as well. Oh, yeah. Um, sure. Do you have an idea of how many attendees you got last year or you expect this year? We were a little bit over 800 last year. Uh, no way of telling yet. We're still where we uh, about two months out, and so it's impossible to tell. Pre-reg for GMs and for attendees will still be open for about six weeks, so it's impossible to really project yet, you know, based on previous pre-regs. So, but we have a hundred. I think it was 139 events right now and 23 tournaments. So I think we got a lot of uh, good, really good events fairly early. And the nice part is what we did was we redid our website completely this year. It visually looks pretty much the same, but it functions totally different. So now as you put an event up, it's automatically up there. People can see it immediately, and then pre-registered and GMs who want to uh, book a player spot can go ahead and do that immediately. So it's a much, uh, much better organized, much better um, interactive website. And so we're gathering more information than we've ever done before as far as uh, pre-regs and things like that. We're just becoming... This is a this year's kind of a leap year for us. Kind of we're leaping for the big the website's a big deal, the new website and its interaction and because we're getting to the point where um, it was so difficult to keep it organized and print. We we print game tickets. All the gaming is free unless a tournament charges a fee for like their prizes. So once you get your badge, you can game anything for free. But we were printing game tickets so that if you pre-reg you can reserve some game slots and you get a ticket. So just printing those tickets alone is a big process, keeping it organized and printing them and then the badges. And, and we were all we were doing it pretty much manually, and the new website is going to really help uh, automate a lot of that, or at least that's the plan this year. Okay. Now, I saw that, again, the, the, the convention has grown. Uh, it is now a three-day event. Yeah. Uh, this year's event is May 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Yeah. So you may have some convention or competition because Avengers Age of Ultron comes out May first. 
Yeah, um, <laughs> which I'm very forward to, and maybe what we'll have is people go see it later that night or, you know, maybe even Thursday night, the night before, you know, if it does a early morning or... I, yeah, you know, I'm the sure problem, they will. Yeah, the problem with these conventions is, especially one our size, you're limited on how many venues can actually hold you. And then when you start looking in the spring, which seems to be the really hot time for shows, it's hard to find an open weekend. So, you know, we have the Pig Marathon is that weekend. But every weekend you pick, you can find. We try to avoid Hoosier Con. We try to avoid, there's a little con called uh, Seven Years War in Indiana. We try to avoid them. Uh, we actually had picked uh, the same weekend that Adepticon actually jumped into. The Adepticon used to be later in the year, and they actually moved way up to the date that we had first picked but hadn't signed any contracts or anything. So we've had to bob and weave a little bit. So, <laughs> you know, but every well, weekend's think, a weekend. Right. I think my plan is I'm actually going to take that day off of work, and uh, I'm going to go see Age of Ultron first thing in the morning, and then I plan on spending the rest of the day at your uh, your convention. So I, I do want to talk a little bit about that. I know I haven't given Caleb a chance to jump in, so I will do it now. Caleb, do you have any questions or, or thoughts for Jim? Because uh, I can keep going. Oh, we know that, Michael. <laughs> I think it would be interesting, Jim, to talk a little bit about kind of the logistics between everything. I mean, you're bringing in gamers from all over the place. Uh, you're organizing all these different games. Um, so... I mean, kind of what what was the what was the path you took going from hey we're a couple fellas who like playing D and D in our basement to hey here's a thousand fellas playing D and D in a convention center. I mean, how do you get from A to B? <laughs> what you started with though is talking about the variety of games that we have at our show, really, which is I think probably the most interesting part of that because when we decided to see if we could have a bigger show here in town, some of the shows that I attended as a vendor were mostly like historical tabletop games and things like that. And what you see with the, what I think I see with these shows is by not diversifying and really spreading out and inviting all these other groups, one, you're known as being an historical giver, whatever it is that you aren't really, even though you include all those. And then if something happens in the hobby, for instance, historical miniature gaming, the hobby itself is graying a lot. There aren't a lot of young people coming towards it. Because there's just so many interesting, you know, uh, angles and options and directions you can go in with gaming. And historical miniature gaming doesn't seem to be on the top of that list. So what we decided was when we we're going to try to have a bigger show here and grow, we knew that we wanted to be an all-inclusive uh, convention, that that gave us the best option. Really, if you, the more attendees you have, the more power you have to grow and be able to afford, let's say, like a Sharonville Convention Center or something like that, that is an inevitable, you know, avenue once you get to a certain size. And um, the other part was there are seven members of our board, and we're pr we're a pretty daggone diversified group. So, and these seven guys have all been there since the beginning, so in different capacities, but two or three of them have decided to step up more. They were always there, but they're always like, well, I just want to help. Well, when we decided to really form ourselves, they're like, well, I've helped enough, and now I want to be really part of it. 
kind of a founding member. And we have, you know, even amongst all of us, it seems we all seem to have diversified interests. But as individuals, I think we are very different in our gaming, and that kind of helps us uh, reach out and bring all these different types of groups in. Because we kind of pride ourselves in being able to do it, because some conventions just can't seem to pull it off. And uh, we like that we have families. Uh, you see female, children. You know, you see all walks of life. And we like that a lot at our show. And you see that uh, Gen Con is a perfect example. Origins is too, of conventions that have done a pretty good job of diversifying. It's really cool. My, my kids, I have, so I have uh, a fifth grader and an eighth grader, both girls, and they love Gen Con. You know, it's just so cool. Now, when they go to Gen Con, one likes to play games and the other one likes to shop for outfits and jewelry. And I mean, they're totally two different kids, but they both love the convention because it has so much to offer. And we also, with our vendors, we're really diversified on that too, I think. So the diversification is all the way through from the gaming to the attendees to the vendors to who we're constantly trying to reach out to. Cool. Well, it sounds to me, um, because my job on this show is to sum things up, uh, it sounds to me like the uh, the board you have, the original founding members of this con, you kind of play to your strengths, and you, you all pull on, or pull from, rather, your personal gaming preferences and backgrounds to make CincyCon appealing to the largest, most diversified amount of guests and players. And that's definitely cool, because our hobby is really, really wide-ranging, but it's also really, really genre-specific. And there's a very, very thin line between, hey, I play this game, and I only see what you're playing, and let me learn a little bit, and I play this game, and this is all I play, and I never want to touch anything else. And the the biggest conventions, I mean, you mentioned Gen Con and Origins, definitely cater to both sides of that line. And it's it's really good to hear that someone like yourself, who's basically doing an independent con, just doing this for the love of the hobby, is also catering to that. Now, you'd said also, uh, you mentioned vendors. Of course, you got into this originally kind of from that line of things. Uh, what kind of vendors do you have at CincyCon? Well, that's going to be tough to do by memory, but I can probably run through it decent. So we have uh, a few local hobby stores. Then we have uh, a few actual manufacturers. And then we have painting services, a few Kickstarter companies who have created their own game systems. They'll be doing demos for their games there. I think we have three of those. We have uh, Sylvan Creations is coming back. She's been here every year. She's a uh, really cool jewelry uh, booth, and since she's pretty much our only jewelry booth, she does pretty good because you know she's well unique. There are, are I'm trying to think more specifically. So you'll have at our show guys who sell just games. You'll have some vendors who sell just miniatures or both games and miniatures. You'll have uh, a vendor or two that does a little bit more role playing. Uh, we have one that does a lot of homemade accessories for role-playing, like dice bags and things like that. And then, of course, we also have our flea market, which is pretty cool, because Origins and Gen Con don't have that. Being small, we are allowed, we're able to set up little flea market tables. You never know what you're going to find on them. It's usually gaming or 
comic book related or you know some pretty cool stuff there and and uh, you get an opportunity to get good deals and things like that too so that's something that we are kind of unique about very cool now one of the things that I wanted to jump in there uh, again we mentioned that the uh, the venue changed this year that you're moving to the Butler County Fairgrounds here uh, in Cincinnati kind of the northern side and it's a kind it's a brand new facility multi-million dollar complex they've built so is the, is it actually bigger space this year? Is it just updated, or like what are the benefits of moving to this location for you guys? Space size alone, we gain about three thousand square feet, and the space is also uh, different. Uh, the atrium where we came from was a little broken up. Some of the angles were a little funny. These are two large rectangles joined by uh, a lobby. And so the area itself is more usable. So we gain. There's a couple things we gain. In the atrium, there were two. There was really w one large reason why we didn't return to the atrium. I tried to sign a contract with them. I think I sat down with them four different times, and each time I was there with my checkbook, thinking we were signing a contract. But then I was informed that they were having some issues on their end, and they were afraid that they could not be there for us in the end when we wanted to have our convention. So we were scrambling. Now, as we grew, and we liked the atrium a lot because it met a lot of our needs. As we were growing, though, we were constantly looking for when we either outgrown the atrium or if something happened to the atrium or whatever. So the Butler County Fairgrounds actually wasn't on our list because the building didn't exist up there. So I spent a lot of time meeting and talking to and visiting other sites in town. And then somebody had mentioned to me, you know, had you considered the Butler County Fairgrounds? And I was like, well, no. And, she, and this particular friend said, you, you know, you really need to go see their new building. So I did, and I was actually shocked. I'm like, oh, okay, this is big enough. Uh, the parking is excellent. It's right there. They allow us to bring in our own caterer like the atrium did, which means um, we can keep the food costs cheap for everybody, and uh, we can make a percentage of the food sales based on the fact that we help staff the caterer. And so that helps keep our badge costs down. And so Butler County Fairgrounds offers us a larger venue that is still super affordable for our attendees. So it costs us more to rent it, but we can still defer those costs due to like the concession sales and things like that. So our next move, so for 2016, we will be getting bids again from the atrium. Butler County Fairgrounds. We are every year we've looked at Sharonville Convention Center. However, I don't think we're quite big enough for there yet. And then there's a new venue that is almost finished construction, a Holiday Inn uh, near IKEA. So they have a convention center there. But that move, it's brand new. It's not done yet. That move space-wise is really about the same amount of space as the atrium. And, of course, we lose concession sales because they have their own concessions. So we'll have to see. We're getting bids from everybody. Every year we try to look and see, you know, how we did it where we are and looking forward and things like that. So the atrium is still on our list. It, uh, it, we might be jam-packed in there but as we grow, but they certainly meet a lot of needs. And So that's where we stand on our move and our future. Okay, and I, I did want to touch on the cost because that's something you brought up about the, the, the cost for the badges. Um, 
it's very, very reasonable priced for your convention. I believe a one day badge is $15 and for the all three, it's only 20. Right. And again, all the events are free unless you're in a tournament and the tournament costs has an entry free fee as well. So I think that's super reasonable. And obviously I live 10 minutes from the Butler County Fairgrounds. So it's very convenient for me for driving as well. Uh, now you guys also have a hotel arrangement. If someone is coming from out of town, is there a certain hotel they need to go to? Right, so uh, in downtown Hamilton, which is right there next to the Butler County Fairgrounds, they have completely redone a hotel, uh, Courtyard, by Mar Courtyard by Marriott, so it's all new, it's beautiful. Uh, we made two surprise visits there and had them just open some rooms for us, spotless, it's really impressive, which the atrium, as affordable as it was, was really lacking on that end, and so we had a lot of complaints on the atrium room-wise, which is really disappointing. Although, you know, if we look at the atrium again, as we were trying to sign a contract this year, we had put some major stipulations, and we were going to help them try to manage themselves a little better on that. But the current hotel that we have contracted with is very nice and very clean, and they give us a really good deal. So they're normally 129 a night, and they gave us 99 a night because it's Courtyard by Marriott, so, you know, it's really nice. And it's right there. So that's what we did this year, and that rate ends, I think, April 9th. I know it's on our website, so, and of course it's limited, too. They've only got so much, it's it's a good-sized hotel, but, you know, the closer we get to our show, you know, when they run out of rooms, that's it, so. Right. People come up from out of town, I recommend they book immediately. And then just, a, and I'm sure we'll mention that website again, but it's uh, cincycon.org, C-I-N-C-Y-C-O-N dot O-R-G. And then the last thing I was going to mention about the cost, then I'll jump back over to Caleb, is that I registered to run a couple games at the con. And I noticed that when I did that, I got a free badge. So if you sign up to GM anything, you get a free badge for the whole event as well. So not only is it reasonable at 20 bucks for the whole weekend, you run one game and you're set anyway. So I definitely encourage people to check it out. And, uh, you know, if you're local enough that this is something you guys can do, please check it out, cincycon.org. Uh, and, again, I'm running two games, so if anybody wants to game with me, uh, I got two on there. It's still got room available. Uh, Caleb, did you have any other questions for our guest tonight? Well, actually, Jim, I am a little bit curious as to what is in the works uh, for the games that are there. Uh, I know you said it's pretty open and diverse, um, you started from the uh, historical miniatures side of things. Uh, I'm going to guess that CincyCon is going to run the gamut from uh, minis uh, to tabletop RPGs to everything in between, right? Yeah, and I'll tell you what, this area has a lot of it. it there's a ton of uh, role-playing here in Cincinnati. And uh, something you mentioned, Michael, which some people don't realize, we are a local con, but we really are a regional draw. So, like, last year... It even surprised me as we were getting some of these PayPal's in from Florida and New York and New Jersey, Connecticut. You know, I was like, wow. So already uh, I had one guy email me, uh, they're role players, and he had a question or two, and they're coming up from uh, Knoxville. So we do get a fair amount of locals, but we also are really starting to draw well regionally, which will help us to grow also. So that's a pretty cool part about it. Very cool. Yeah. Now, as far as games themselves, um, again, there's tons of role-playing. The Pathfinder Society has really done a good job of stepping up and having 
you know, like 10 tables going at all times. Uh, if you want to see their games, you go on to Warhorn, and I don't think they're posted yet, but I know that I've been getting requests from their GMs and stuff to make sure they get their badges, and then they'll have that posted. And uh, A lot of board gaming. We've started, something we have started uh, like two years now is building our own game library so that you can come and borrow a game. That's, of course, all free, too. And so uh, I predict in the next few years that our game library is going to grow a lot. So we've, anytime we've made some money, last year, for instance, Twilight Creations was there. And uh, the gentleman that started Twilight had passed away, and um, his uh, widow had a flea market table at our show with a ton of games, and we spent a fair amount of money with her because they were just great games for the game library. And we get sponsors. If somebody wants to be a sponsor, they can send in games as part of their payment. So we've had a few companies like Privateer Press send us games. Mayfair has been great about it. Catalyst Games has been great about it. And so we've added those games, some to our library, some to our raffle, which is pretty cool. We usually have a... I don't know if you guys have heard much about our raffle, but there's a ton of items in it. And you get free raffle tickets. Anybody pre-regs or as a GM gets two free raffle tickets. And you can write your name on one copy, and then you throw the other tag at items that you want to take a chance on, and so that, and then you can also buy them there too. So our raffle is really a, a pretty cool little thing too. It's just a little extra that's really nice. So, uh, and then you'll see um, things like you know the Battle Hoth tabletop miniature games that are really cool. A lot of games that you can, almost all the games there, you can walk up and say to the GM, "I don't know what I'm doing," and the guy's going to try to get you to play it because uh, they're real good about teaching things. You can kind of stumble your way through and have a great time. We had uh, a dad, two, I think it was two years ago, he got he just came on Sunday, it was him and his two kids, which is kind of rare that you see somebody just on Sunday, but we, we still get 50 or 60 people just on Sunday. But they walked in, and a couple hours later they walked out, and he came up to me and he said, you know, is this going to be the same time next year? He was all excited and he explained to me that him and his two sons sat in on a little flying game, a Pacific World War II flying game, and he said the kids had a great time, and he just couldn't believe the experience that he had had, and that was just a really nice way for me personally to round out Sunday. You know, you're real tired, and you, you know, hope everybody had a good time, and the, the kids were all excited and stuff. And So you're going to have a little bit of everything. This year we got a magic tournament. Uh, Eastside Games is running that. Uh, we have all of our regular tournaments that we always have, uh, like our Games Workshop tournaments, our Flames of War tournaments. Uh, they said there's 23 of them on the site, so uh, from card games, board games. I think there's a Munchkin tournament. So the uh, guys from Steve Jackson Games, they have their Men in Black. That's their guys that promote their games. We have a little group that runs a bunch of their stuff. And uh, If you don't see it on our site... Then run it. <laughs> you know, if it's something you really love to do and you don't see it, jump in and run it. But you'll probably see something you like to play in. All right, very cool. Now, um, if anybody would like to donate some games to, to help you out for your game library, um, contact uh, Jim at fox at foxminiatures.com. Uh, I will have that uh, in the show notes as well. Or if you want to become a sponsor, we actually have done that here at the RPG Academy. We are an official sponsor of CincyCon this year. Uh, so we've donated some things your way to, to help cover those costs. And, uh, you know, if you can come out, that would be fantastic. But if not, if you want to support a local con, this sounds like a type of event you might want to get involved with. Um, Caleb, you have anything else for our guest tonight? 
No. Wow. I'm just really excited uh, that there's another local con that we can swing to and support. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for uh, jumping on here with us and helping spread the word. I am absolutely excited and uh, am really, really happy to be part of this. Now, I wanted to mention one other thing. Um, one of the reasons we are doing the convention and working so hard at it is we did form our nonprofit. It's the Gamers of Ohio, Indiana, and Northern Kentucky which, of course, is the gamers of Oink. We seem to have an, uh, an affection for the whole, you know, Porkopolis thing. But one of our goals, if we continue to succeed and grow, is to have a, game, a actual physical gaming club here in Cincinnati that you will be able to be a member of and come and game whenever you would like and share in the game library that we use at the con and have open table spaces that will be... Uh, that'll just help promote gaming in Cincinnati, make it a little more mainstream, um, supporting all the stores. So hopefully that will increase their sales because there'll be more gamers here in town. And that's one of the reasons why we're working so hard at what we're doing. So we'll probably be looking for like an old VFW, something like that. It has a little kitchen and stuff like that. So we can still also rent it out for receptions or whatever while we're not using it. That's one of our goals. And hopefully uh, in my lifetime, I'll see that come to fruition. Jim, I want to thank you again for your uh, for your time tonight. Uh, this will go up on our website in a couple of weeks. Uh, again, just a reminder to our listeners uh, that we are Caleb is is planning on coming down for it. We're, that is not a hundred percent worked out. I definitely will be there. I will definitely be running some games, and if it works out, Caleb's going to be there with me, and he may, he may co DM with me or he may run his own things. But either way, we are really looking forward to the event. We're very uh, proud to be a part and be a sponsor of it this year. And I really look forward to meeting you in person and shaking your hand and saying hi and maybe rolling some dice at a table. Super. Sounds great, guys. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, sir. You have a wonderful evening. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Well, welcome back to Table Topics. Tonight, we have another new and exciting guest for you guys to meet. His name is Greg, and he is one of the co-founders, I assume, That's of Lexicon. Which is a term near and dear to our heart because we have a segment on our show called Lexicon where we talk about RPG terms. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, Lexicon, as you know it, is actually a local convention in Lexington, Kentucky, which is not very far at all for me in Cincinnati. And I'm from Kentucky originally, if the accent didn't give it away. <laughs> was new to me. I actually didn't know anything about this, which makes me excited because this is another convention I may get to go to. So, Greg, welcome to the program. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you guys uh, taking time to have me on. Of course. Our pleasure. Now, so for the audience and myself that doesn't really know you yet, please introduce yourself a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your history with gaming. How'd you get in the hobby and any games you're currently playing? Sure. Uh, well, my name is uh, Greg Franceth. I've been gaming since... Uh, I was a young kid. My my dad uh, collected the old 3M bookshelf games, and so we would play Vegas and World of Wall Street and, of course, Acquire, which is sort of the granddaddy of those. And as I got older, I did my time with Dungeons & Dragons, got into war gaming. Eventually, the 90s rolled around, and Euro gaming came out, and that uh, became the perfect spot for me. I didn't have time for a lot of the the RPG and wargaming stuff I used to do, but it still gave me a chance to scratch that itch. And I became an avid collector uh, to the point where my personal collection of games is now over 900. Um, that's really more of a disease than a collection <laughs> at this point. I think that's a symptom. Yeah, I think I think we may need to talk about that. 
Yeah, but uh, folks out there in the gaming community may be uh, familiar with me because I have done work with uh, some of the other podcasts. Uh, for several years, I was the traveling gamer on the Dice Tower. Oh wow! Okay. And would do reviews of shows of excuse me of stores around the around the country. And then I also did uh, my own podcasting with uh, Steve Avery and Mark Zelinsky as the uh, board game pirate cast, which uh, we still intend to do intermittently as we feel the need to take over other people's shows. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, um, so Lexicon uh, is again against a local gaming convention here in Lexington, Kentucky. So, how long how long has it been around? Like, what year is this? So, yeah, let me give you the the backstory because I actually think it's a pretty good story. Uh, my uh, partner and uh, co-founder Chris uh, Grewatts went to um, Gen Con not this past year, but the previous year, and he was relatively new to gaming, and I played with him in that, but that, that was his first experience of a convention, and he came away thinking, wow, let's go to our local one, and I said, wow, we don't have a local one, and he said, determined that we were going to fix that. So this is actually the second year of uh, Lexicon. Last year was the inaugural year, and, um, you know, credit Chris, a lot of it was his force of will of saying that Lexington is the community he loves and he wanted to be able to bring that together with the hobby he loves. And I feel like we did a really good job last year. We got bigger numbers than we anticipated and uh, we sort of agreed that uh, we wanted to do it again. Oh, that is fantastic. That's actually very similar to my story. Uh, I went to Gen Con for the first time two years ago, had never gone before, and I left going, I have to do this again soon. <laughs> so we had what was the uh, first Akatacon uh, in my basement with like 12 nice. people. Uh, then we had another Akatacon with about 25 people. And this year we're hoping to make it actually like a legitimate con, renting out a venue and that kind of thing. So we're kind of on the same trajectory as, as you to a point. Yeah. So so you have a partner, you guys are doing this. So, uh, you know, are all different types of gaming involved? Is it mostly war games, board games, RPGs, a mixture? Well, it's a, it is a mixture, but I will uh, be the first to admit that there is a a hierarchy that reflects our own interests. So the the board and card gamings uh, is the largest segment, followed by the role-playing gaming. Uh, the miniatures gaming tends to be farther down the list, and um, uh, we're not at a place where we really want to try and host a, a Magic the Gathering event uh, the, of the scale necessary. We have people playing Magic there all the time. Actually, one of our, our things this year is uh, we're really trying the LARPing this year. Okay. We did not really do that last year. We thought uh, we'd try and expand that. We've got a Vampire the Masquerade and a Doctor Who LARP that's going to be happening. We're going to see how that goes. Neither Chris nor I are LARPers. You know, but one of the interesting things is, I mean, Gen Con's 50-some yeah, thousand people. Just an amazing event. And, and I love it. But it is a spectacle. Uh, you, you're going and you're, you're seeing all the people in costume and you're seeing the giant games of Werewolf and all that. It, it, when I have a local... Con and, and then at the same time, I also have my regular game group, which is you know, 25 of my closest friends getting together and playing games. The nice thing about a regional convention, like you know, we're trying to do in Lexicon, uh, like the folks up in Grand Rapids doing Grand Con or, or in Charleston doing Charcon, the, these conventions, they feel a nice middle ground where you get more than, uh, you know you do in your weekly game group, but 
you aren't overwhelmed by the origins, the Gen Cons, the the packs uh, of the world. And you know, Chris has always said that what he wanted to do with Lexicon is that he still wanted. He he knows we're not doing Gen Con, but he still wants people to come to it because it is a special event. It's not. Yes, there's lots of gaming going on, but there's lots more going on here than um, that you can only get from a convention. And that sort of had been his attitude. He wants everyone who comes to Lexicon to feel that they participated in something special. That is definitely one of the best things anyone can experience going to a, a con. It's, it's that time of getting together with everybody, the time of sharing adventures, sharing stories. So I love hearing that you guys have that as a focus uh, for Lexicon, no matter what game you're playing. Absolutely. Can you tell us a little bit about, I guess we could call it the logistics of Lexicon? Um, I know sometimes when you go to a big con like Gen Con, you're going through uh, an insane time of scheduling games and trying to get in on the right game. (laughs) And then sometimes you go to a small local con and it's all just pick up and play, throw down, hey, let's roll some right. D&D, hey, let's roll some Warhammer. So where right. does uh, Lexicon fall onto uh, that scale of gaming schedules? Okay. Well, well let me, let me uh, I'm going to pick up on that, Caleb, and, and add a little of the, I don't know if you call it, the demographics of it. So um, we're, we're a three-day convention. It starts at noon on April 17th, which is a Friday, and goes until 5 o'clock, 6-ish on Sunday. And during that time, we have, as of earlier today, 167 scheduled events. Now, that includes, I think, about 30-some RPG campaigns. That includes 40 individual board or card games to learn, another two dozen tournaments of various sorts, the LARPs I mentioned, uh, we have the Artemis Spaceship Simulator going on, a whole variety of other things. So we want to make sure there's enough there that if you're coming and want to say, I really want to have my schedule laid out, that we have something at every possible time for you. But not so much that we can't actually run it. Uh, One of the things that we do differently than a lot of local conventions is all of our volunteers are managed centrally with Chris and me. So rather than someone just saying, hey, I want to run these events, we want to make sure that it fits in with what we're doing, what we're working with the latest games and whatnot. So we actually work a little more tightly with our volunteers than some of the other conventions uh, do. It's not a good, good or bad, right or wrong. It's just a different flavor. What we like about it is that it allows us to have uh, the ability to plan the whole weekend for folks. All of that said, we also have the second largest convention space uh, in central Kentucky. So there's lots of space for people who say maybe maybe they just want to come on Sunday and do the Catan tournament, you know, get a chance to win their free trip to Gen Con on us. But the other two days, they just want to play games. We've got our library, which is a lot of my games and a lot of things that we own. So over a 1,000 games, they can just go check them out, sit down, and play. So we try and find that balance uh, in there. If folks, if folks want to do the scheduled things, it's all on our website, www.lexicongaming.com slash 2015. 
they can go, they can register, get their badge, and do all their events in advance, and we'll just have everything for them to pick up at the door. Or if they want to play it by ear, that's fine too. We'll work with them. Okay, and we will have a, a link in the show notes for people for that website if they didn't quite catch it. Uh, now, as far as like a fee schedule, what, what are the badges cost and what do the individual events cost you once you're there? So this is a great question. You know, one of the things you learn in your first year is uh, the things you don't want to do the next year. Last year, we had a really reduced badge fee, but we charged for every event. And we realized that that's tedious for the people attending, and it was tedious for us to manage. So this year we said, you know what? Things where the GMs need to know in advance who's going to be there, we will have a nominal fee of $2. So that's typically your RPGs. You know, it's hard to run an RPG if you don't know how many people are playing. Right, yeah. But we try and keep that pretty nominal. Then the tournaments, small tournaments are $5, large tournaments are $10, uh, the Catan tournament is $15. Outside of that, almost everything else is included in your badge. So if you want any of the games that we are working with publishers to teach the 2014-2015 releases, that's included in the badge. You want to check out games from the library, any one of those thousand plus games, that's included in the badge. You want to participate uh, in some of the demos, we've got um, four game designers going to be there, that's all included in the badge. Access to the exhibit hall, all included in the badge. So we really have tried to pare it down and say, you know what, if it's not something special, if it doesn't come with prizes, we're going to go ahead and cover that in the badge. And then for things where, you know, like I say, some of these tournaments have some pretty nice prizes, yes, there's a fee, but you're going to get that back out. Actually, I should say, Chris is like the, the prize master. He works really closely with the publishers and game designers to because the goal is they have some amazing games that our audience wants to play. Sure. He's working with them so that we actually have copies of these, and we're going to have over 100 prizes just to give away to attendees. Uh, we joked last year, because he does such a great job with that, that if you planned it right, you could actually leave the convention having made money. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's like Vegas, except you can win. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So uh, where exactly, you mentioned, the, like, what location is it at? Sure. We're, we're actually at the uh, Clarion Hotel and Convention Center, which is at the intersection of Newtown Pike and I-75, which is... Coming from the Cincinnati direction is, is the first exit to Lexington. If you're coming up from Nashville, it's, uh, of course, the last exit. Uh, but you can see it right off of the highway. And if you're coming in from town, most folks know you just hit downtown and head out Newtown Pike. You can't miss it. Now, is our, since that is a hotel, is there a special rate reserved if you uh, book a room as well? There is a special rate, but... One of the things we've run into this year is, so, you know, last year we said, when Chris approached me about doing this, you know, my response was, I don't want to do it if we aren't going to do it right. Well, after talking with him, I was convinced he wanted to do it right. And we sort of joked and said, how many attendees would mean doing it right? And we said to ourselves, you know what? If we get over 500 our first year, we're geniuses and everybody should talk to us. And if we get fewer than 200, we're idiots and never should have done this in the first place. <laughs> okay. Well, so where'd you fall? We ended up with over 400. Oh, so wow. So we were very happy. We were very happy. And that's regular count, not turnstile counting. At this point, our pre-registration is already over 200. Okay. So 
Um, we're definitely going to be bigger this year. The problem we've run into is we already sold out the reserved block at the hotel. As of the time you and I are talking, they're still honoring that rate on other rooms. But folks who are coming want to get in as quickly as possible because I can't guarantee how much longer they'll do that. Okay. Now, um, as far as volunteers, you mentioned uh, like a lot of other conventions. I know Gen Con or uh, CincyCon, for example, if you run a game, then you get either a reduced badge or you get a free badge. Do you have something set up if someone wants to volunteer at your convention? So another thing we learned last year is we did a straight schedule saying this many games get you this share of a badge. We had a lot of volunteers come back to us and say, I'm more than happy to pay for the badge. What I would really like is that cool glass that we only got for our, you know, Chris and me. So, or maybe they wanted to get special admission to an event they otherwise couldn't get into. So what we're saying this year is if, if someone's going to GM for us, if someone's going to volunteer at our library, we will work with them to make sure they get compensation that they feel is, is adequate. Nice thing about small convention is just Chris and me. Uh, I can sit down and say, someone says to me, I don't really want a badge, but I would like to get into the Friday party. Done. I can just say, done. <laughs> nice. So, and actually, you know, I didn't mention that, and I really should. Chris would kill me if I, if I didn't let you guys know about this, because if you guys can come down, you have to come to our parties. Yep. Uh, we had a third partner last year, uh, Philip Holland, uh, who ran our Saturday party, and he's going to be helping us again this year, and it is just the best event. We are sponsored by Wessex Brewing Company, uh, which is a local brewery in Lexington, but of course, you guys can get it up in Cincinnati, Vail by your local Kroger. <laughs> But because they're our sponsor, that uh, we work with them, that uh, we make sure that uh, folks can get some of their product on the convention if they come to our parties. There's a small fee, $10, $12, depending on what, which night they come to. But we do the werewolf, we do the cards against humanity, but we also run some special events that always tell you is it's the party. But if you go there, you'll get to participate in things that you won't see at other conventions. Okay. Uh, well, we at least I am going to try because of the timing, because this is pretty quick. Unfortunately, I was unaware yes. of it uh, and I, it's going to be difficult, but I'm going to try my best to come at least for one day. But I don't know. It'll probably be Saturday because I probably have to drive down because I'm only like an hour and a half away and then drive back. That's right. But uh, I super am going to try my best to be there at least for part of it. Caleb. We'd love to see you. Lives in uh, lives in Akron. Uh, so it's a little bit further of a drive for him. So I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, I think the only other question I had for you, Greg, was what else is can we find at Lexicon? Uh, we talked about all the, the library, all the different games, the LARPing, the parties. Uh, I know a lot of times uh, at other conventions there are things related to the hobby. Like at, uh, at Origins, they'll have different art shows. Um, right. Or some of the like large minis displays, or, or things like that. Right. Um, do you guys feature? Oh, aren't any... those minis made, minis displays unbelievable? Those are when, insane. whenever at Origins, uh, yeah, you know, or Gen Con, I will just I will take a block of time. Just I'm not a miniatures gamer, but I will just go look at those because those are just unbelievable. But but Caleb, to, to your question, you know. One of the nice things about a convention is that even though, like I say, we're focused largely on the board and card and the RPG games, but there are are those things that float around. We do have an exhibit hall. It takes up about half of our ballroom. We got a couple of uh, authors coming in 
uh, Andrea Perno is going to be there, science fiction author. I've uh, got a young man who writes uh, books about Minecraft who's going to be there. Uh, we've got um, several game designers. Uh, you guys may know Corey Young. He's just north of Cincinnati uh, in the Dayton area. He did Gravwell uh, last year. Oh, yeah. He's coming down. Let's see, uh, Philip DeBerry, who did uh, Revolution and Canalis and several other other games, is going to be there. What's uh, I've forgotten his name? The gentleman in Louisville who did Valley of the Kings for AEG. He's coming over. Uh, Carrie Brightenstein with uh, Twilight Creations is going to be there. So we've got a lot of uh, personalities, several uh, well-known podcasters. For people on the LARPing side, Will Thrasher, uh, who does things at Gen Con every year, he's going to be there. So we'll, we'll have those folks there. We have the exhibit hall. You know, this year we also have the folks from the Society for Creative Anachronisms. We uh, got to talk to them, and they wanted a space. We said, we'll find a space for you, absolutely. You know, they're gamers, but they're related. You know, anyone who, who grows up with D&D &D is probably going to find uh, what the SCA guys are doing interesting. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of my buddies is way into that stuff. and it, I'm not the miniature guy. I can't create with my hands. And to see yeah. some of the things that he can make, it's like, holy crap. Like, that's just amazing. Yes. Yeah. I would like to throw in one, one other thing sure. uh, in there. Because one of the things that uh, we, we decided last year when we did this is that there were certain things that we wanted in a convention. And, and you know, we talked about the, the running of it. But we also said we wanted to support the local community. So we do try and uh, work with local vendors whenever we can ha uh, we and whenever we can that includes our friendly local game stores and also you know people providing food so like the food truck guys are going to be out there on Saturday and whatnot the other thing we said is that it needs to have a component that gives back and so for the second year we are partnering with big brothers and big sisters of the bluegrass anyone affiliated with big brothers and big sisters can show up uh, show us their identification you know, we will we will get them into the convention on Sunday on us. So if their big brothers or big sisters want to bring their littles down and play some games uh, for their time with them, that that is on us, gratis. You those guys do amazing work, and uh, you know they they deserve this sort of thing. And we're also we also run some fundraisers. The fun one we're doing this year is um, we're doing the giant yard sale auction. Uh, you have a game that. You know, you like the game, but you're not going to keep it anymore. Bring it down. We're going to put it in the yard sale. And then uh, what we're going to do is, as all these games are collected, we're going to auction off the entire stack. 100% of the proceeds is going to go to Big Brothers and Big Sisters of the Bluegrass. Oh, nice. So, all right, so I just want to double check. So, so uh, the Big Brothers, Big Sisters on Sunday only? They can get in the Friday, Saturday? Yes, okay. that's right. If, yeah. And honestly, if Sunday doesn't work for someone, they can just, again, nice thing about a small convention, just talk to Chris or me. We'll make it okay. happen. Yeah. And again, I didn't want to make that like only, I just want to make sure like someone didn't show up on Friday thinking. Yeah. So, okay. Right. The reason we do the Sunday is that that way uh, they can all come at the same time if they want and they can do an event because often you'll have several of the littles who know each other and that way you know we can just sort of say, sure. you know what, why don't you guys plan on Sunday and we'll make sure it's taken care of. It also makes it easier on our registration staff. Okay. And again, that's uh, lexicongaming.com slash 2015. Yep. Or on Facebook, facebook.com slash lexicongaming. Okay. And uh, again, that is April 17th. April 17th through 19th, we open the doors at noon on Friday, and uh, we run till 5-ish, uh, 6-ish six on Sunday. Uh, because it's a convention center attached to the hotel, it's not the hotel proper, folks can game as late in the, in the night as they want. Okay, fantastic. Well, I think that does it all for our questions. Uh, one thing before we let you go, 
Uh, we used to mm -hmm. have our official RPG Academy closer question, but we kept getting the okay. same type of answer. So we actually going to change that up. And we had a listener suggest that we do a choose your own adventure style game with our guests. <laughs> you are the first okay. that gets to participate this. So my only question to you is warrior, wizard, or rogue? Oh, uh, wizard. Okay. So going forward, we will be playing with the wizard. Greg, thank you so much for your time. Uh, if I don't make it down on the Saturday, I still wish you guys the most success. Uh, sounds like you're doing some well, great we things We'll see you in 2016 if that happens. And maybe we'll see you for a catacon in November. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Thank you both. Thank you for your time, sir. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. So I believe that we actually have three new iTunes reviews, all of them five-star, uh, that we need to read. So I will turn it over to the impeccable dulcet tones of the Caleb G. Well, thank you for that lovely transition there, Michael. First off, we have uh, a review, five stars, titled Fantastic by Liquid Havoc. There's something exciting for every gamer here. I'm a 20-plus year gamer slash DM slash PC, and this podcast has really reinvigorated me. New ideas and approaches I wouldn't have thought of. I can't thank these guys enough for the new perspective and excitement they've given me. Parenthesis, Table Topic is my favorite, BTW. Thank you, Liquid Havoc, for that review. We obviously appreciate it. And I also like the fact that he included that Table Topics is his favorite, because I often wonder about that, because we, we do try to have two pretty much different shows. We have the actual plays, and then we have the Table Topics. Um, so it's nice to hear that people enjoy one or the other uh, more or less. Uh, which is a good thing you could drop into a comment of an episode. But we have more reviews to read, so I digress. Next up, we have a review titled A Podcaster Who Loves This Podcast by I Am Stomp. That name is actually from DM Mitch from the Dungeon Masters Block Podcast, who says, I have loved the RPG Academy since the days of old when they were the D&D Academy. Keep up the great work, guys. Thank you very much, Mitch. We do appreciate that. We do. We are fans of uh, your show as well. Absolutely. We always love the uh, love of podcasters going back and forth across the airwaves. We're, we're all in the same hobby, and we are all in the same business. And uh, I, don't, I don't know about that whole D&D &D Academy thing. That might have been a little bit of a, an alleged statement there. We certainly can't claim any name intellectual property of wizards of the coast so yeah well it was darren and dale academy oh yeah darren and dale academy they started the whole thing they handed it off to mm -hmm. you you kept their yep. name uh for you know for a year per the contract so yeah exactly yeah. i had to for one year uh, yep. or i would got you know i would lose my dollar deposit yeah darren and dale thanks darren and dale we appreciate it and uh our last new review to read is very cleverly titled Foxtrot Uniform Charlie and Kilo from Nazumi Cutthroat. I don't get it. Oh, it's okay. You'll, you'll you figure it out when you grow up. From Nazumi Cutthroat. Great show, obviously. Really enjoy the Table Topics episode on metagaming. After playing with too many players who waste hours looking through the PHB every time they pick a new feat or make a decision in-game, it is now a prerequisite for anyone who wants to play in my game, in any game, IDM. 
Also, I was thinking a cool thing you could add to each Table Topics episode or when you have a guest on is at the end, after the credits, y'all could read one page from a choose-your-own-adventure to the guest and let them choose what direction to take for the next episode. If you guys are looking for another movie for show and tell, you could try the single greatest D&D movie, Scourge of Worlds. There's a lot of awesome in that review. I have to say, we, we usually do our uh, RPG Academy closer by asking our, our guests uh, their favorite or their one piece of advice. And even though we haven't had that many guests on, we are starting to get a bit of a repeti- repetition in that. Most people say, you know, story over rules, fun over the rules. Uh, don't worry about what's going on. Just have fun. So maybe a better closer would be this choose your own adventure style of closer. So I'm going to think about that. That, th- that might show up here very soon. Or something similar, anyways. I, I really like that. All right. Well, thank you all three for for the kind words. It's much, much appreciated. Every time we get a review, it helps drive us up the rankings in iTunes or Stitcher Radio if you leave us a review there. Uh, that, that puts us in front of more potential people that might listen to us and find us and, and join us. So please, uh, if you have not yet left a review, it's something that you could do. Please do. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize, but we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at The RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, The Caleb G, at The Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at The RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.